There's movement on the topic. There's still a lot of green washing, but step by step, we're, we're moving in the right direction. That if you want to move up, you have to jump companies or you have mm -hmm. to at least jump roles. So mm -hmm. uh, retaining uh, people for a longer time was challenging, even mm -hmm. though we're doing good to them and they were doing good to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cost of living is higher, right? That's 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 a shock for a lot of employers anyways, when yeah. they see uh, um, uh, how much the salaries are here. But mm -hmm. the cost of uh, cost of living is, uh, is different. And uh, um, also consulting rates, etc. But it's really worth, it's money well spent if you have somebody doing a side search for you, mm -hmm. if you have somebody, you know, if you work with somebody for yourself, for example, mm -hmm. uh, to, to set up a good core team to start with. Welcome to the Westbound Podcast. My name is Matthias Ertzen, founder and managing director of the Ertzen Group. Each month, we bring you international business leaders to share their personal and professional journey in North America. Thank you for spending time with us. Now, let's get to it. I'm really excited today um, to talk to my guests um, all about uh, circular economy and plastic recycling. Um, let me introduce you to the uh, Vice President of Sales for EFS Plastics. Uh, welcome, Henrik Dollinger. Thank you, Matthias. Uh, welcome, everyone. Yeah, it's so good to, uh, uh, to be with you here. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time. I hear you're kind of coming through Atlanta right on the way to a uh, trade show or something right right yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> for us the fall is very busy I'm um, coming from back-to-back -back, uh, um, trade shows and then this week I'm actually going to two I will drive to Savannah after this for the packaging uh, summit and then we have the paper uh, plastic recycle show going on in the same week so awesome gotta go to Chicago right after <laughs> okay gotcha okay uh, so to go to the beautiful Georgia coast and then uh, you head up to Chicago which probably around this time of year is not not that bad either <laughs> yeah I think uh, that's that's the time to go before it gets too cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm actually going to be there end of October myself so I think it should be good before the snow comes so yeah good stuff well excellent very good yeah well yet another German you know I kind of feel like I say this every uh, every podcast Cast, uh, you know, but uh, you, we, we've known each other for a few years and have done business together. Um, why don't we kind of get started and you tell us a little bit about uh, about you, um, what brought you to the U.S.? I would say um, main reason why I'm in the uh, U.S. today is because of my wife. She she is American, so uh, uh -huh. we met during college. But uh, you know, going going back to my childhood, I think it really my interest in living and exploring other living in other countries, exploring other countries, really was brought to me by my parents. Mm -hmm. um, my mom always says the story, you know, you were not a big reader, so she gave me the travel guides and she said, no, we're going on vacation, uh, make sure you you plan something for us. So that's where this whole curiosity for um, going abroad, living abroad started. And uh, yeah, when I, when, I, when I studied, I actually decided to do a semester abroad here. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the first time that brought me to California as well, where I live today. Okay, what, what university? Uh, it was uh, Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, the, the universities in Baden-Württemberg, they're closely connected to the Cal State universities in, in the U.S. So mm -hmm. it was fairly easy to do a, a, a semester abroad there. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, my, my wife did, you know, the same vice versa, basically. She did an exchange in Heidelberg, and that's mm -hmm. how we got to know each other. <laughs> gotcha. That's awesome. So that was uh, the original connection to the U.S. was made. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then going to going to California from uh, Heidelberg, you said originally, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's uh, that's quite a quite a difference too. Uh, so in Fullerton, that is where? where? Is it L.A. or no? It's it's Orange County. Yeah. Orange so County. It's right by okay. the border, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, nice, absolutely. nice little college town. Uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff to do. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I was just yeah. in San Luis Obispo, which is uh, also a college town. It's 
Calipoli, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, Calipoli, yeah. Yeah, um, and it was super nice. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah. Good. So, yeah. so you go back to Germany and um, and uh, how, how did you do, uh, how did you come back, so to say? Yeah, I really came back uh, um, uh, through an opportunity. Um, you know, worked for one of uh, um, the German's largest uh, retailers who were just expanding in, uh, into the U.S. and. Uh, my wife was living with me, uh, as, you know, for six years in Germany, and she always said, you know, I miss the California uh, uh, sunshine, I miss uh, the, the U.S. lifestyle in general. And lucky enough, uh, um, you know, my company expanded over here, and uh, uh, we took the chance and, 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 and moved, moved her back and moved me for the first time permanently to California. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome, very cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that was your first foray into plastic recycling and circular economy, you know, so, um, and, and that's what your current uh, job is keeping you busy with as well. Um, tell us, like, circular economy, what, what, what's, uh, what, what is circular economy? Well, a, a circular economy is the idea to um, turn every man-made material back into, um, yeah, into, into, into similar or, or same, same product. So um, basically mimicking nature, right? Mm -hmm. In nature, everything is, is, is circular. What was uh, once a plant is turned back into soil, and a new plant is uh, coming up uh, uh, from that, right? But mm -hmm. uh, uh, human mankind managed it to uh, uh, manufacture products uh, with no end in, end of life in mind. So mm -hmm. the circular economy is uh, um, uh, based on the idea, um, yeah, to 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 bring the applications back to life, to create new raw materials again, as we're doing with our uh, recycled plastic pellets, mm -hmm. and then manufacture that back into the same or similar applications. Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, EFS's uh, uh, entire model. Tell us a bit about um, uh, EFS, uh, the, what, what's the footprint currently, um, um, you know, what kind of uh, materials are you recycling? Yeah, so we have about 170 uh, employees. Uh, um, we have three locations. Um, our, our headquarters is in Listowel, Ontario, in Canada. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a Canadian, uh, German-Canadian company. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a second location in Alberta um, that we're currently building out. And then we have a U.S. Uh, um, operations in, in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, so three locations, and we're doing uh, everything from uh, um, your uh, one through seven, uh, seven uh, small rigid plastics. So that could be shampoo bottles, mm -hmm. uh, detergent bottles, those type of things, yogurt cups, mm -hmm. um, to flexible plastics. So plastic films, mm -hmm. uh, for example, the overwrap that you have over PET bottles mm -hmm. uh, when you buy a pack of water, mm -hmm. or, or just simple stretch wrap for, from, from dis distribution centers, etc. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then so from, from Germany, uh, we are, uh, uh, you know, used to the um, the yellow bag or the gelbe sack. Uh, like recycling is a big thing in Germany, right? I mean, it's uh, I've, I grew up uh, or my uh, the formative or, or the, the childhood that I remember was in the late 80s, early 90s, right? And that's I think it was introduced then. I, I still remember having all this, and so the like recycling is a big thing there. How does this work in the U.S.? So um, I, I know my uh, waste company, they actually do have a recycling bin, although occasionally I see them putting both bins into the same truck, so I wonder <laughs> how that works. Um, uh, so how, how do you get your raw material to actually recycle it, since there is not, it seems to be very regionally diversified in the recycling efforts? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. So in general, it started, uh, you know, recycling started in the U.S. around the same time than in Europe. Mm -hmm. So the 80s, 90s wow. is when the first recycling companies um, 
came up and you know paper recycling especially all these commercial materials so everything uh, um, and, and that's you know how my old company started as well retail recycling everything that's back of the store mm -hmm. in a distribution center to reduce uh, um, trash costs those were the materials that were collected uh, um, you know early on in the US too in the 80s and 90s so cardboard etc but uh, um, <clears throat> When you look at municipal waste, um, so that stuff that's collected, you know, from from the individual households, um, the industry is greatly privatized in uh, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything, you know, um, is is based on a P&L. So if if those uh, uh, private uh, uh, trash um, corporations feel like it's it's uh, beneficial for them to put a recycling line up they're putting it up mm -hmm. if not uh, then they won't and uh, for the longest time uh, there was no real political incentive uh, regulations laws etc um, that would help the, the the waste companies to actually finance the system so mm -hmm. in in Europe uh, since the 1990s we're used to a concept called extended producer responsibility mm -hmm. so if I'm for example Brock Gamble Unilever I put something on the market mm -hmm. uh, then I have to pay uh, a fee for that product and to subsidize the recycling system make sure um, that product can uh, become circular Mm -hmm. um, in the U.S., those those concepts are just being introduced. Mm -hmm. Certain states, like California, which is one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of environmental companies tend to uh, to states such a, uh, such as California, yeah. um, was one of them. Um, there's a 75% waste diversion goal in, in place. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so uh, I believe next year st uh, starts at 2025. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, followed by a lot of voluntary commit, uh, commitments now by big consumer brands and converters. Um, so there's movement now. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It's it's really starting up. And yeah, it's fashionable, right? Like I right. mean, I, I think uh, you know Apple just made some announcement that the latest iPhone is uh, finally fully sustainable, right? Or or fully uh, has has zero impact on. Uh, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's, it, it's a mark. At least it's in fashion to uh, to want, or there's a, there's a push or a, an outside push to actually do the right thing, and, and with it, I guess, comes the economics of, of of all that as well. From from what I understand. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think that that's uh, with the terminology is always a little bit difficult, okay. right? Sometimes. Um, companies put on there it's recyclable or it's designed for recycling okay. which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be recycled or there's an infrastructure in place today yeah but yeah in, in general I think you can say uh, there's movement on the topic there's still a lot of greenwashing but step by step we're, we're moving in the right direction um, right now uh, we're in a particular difficult uh, time especially for plastics mm -hmm. because uh, we have so much virgin overproduction mm -hmm. in uh, in the US what you do know? you mean by virgin yeah, so so primary plastics, uh, basically from from refinery, from the petrochemical yep. companies. So mm -hmm. the U.S. Um, um, it was a little bit delayed through COVID, but the U.S. Um, um, for for a while we were expecting new uh, poly uh, polyethylene plants uh, to come online. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a big overproduction there, mm -hmm. and also on the on the polypropylene, which are the uh, two most common uh, kinds of plastics. Uh, um, used in packaging so got it mm -hmm. that makes it difficult uh, for recyclers to compete um, especially if, if brands are not uh, living up to, to to the commitments that they have so uh, in, in essence there is an oversupply of, of the virgin plastics and those for the converters it's economically more viable to to use the virgin rather than go into recycling so unless you have some some uh, virtuous reason to use recycled plastics it makes economic 
economically more sense to use the virgin plastics. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. In, in, in these markets, it's it's a case that you know you would buy a mechanical recycle. No, no matter what what recycled resin you have, uh, you know, um, chemical recycled or mechanical recycled mm -hmm. resin, and and they're both. Uh, currently um, trading over virgin prices, and that's mm -hmm. very hard. Um, I think uh, it's more of um, a hold on certain projects that one or the, or the other converter wanted to complete in, uh, by 2025, so there's not much new volume uh, for recycled uh, materials. Uh, um, right now, but um, existing programs are still running. I've, I've seen, um, so I've just seen w one of the large um, uh, uh, waste haulers uh, or waste process, waste management companies, right? I just saw they opened a really large facility um, out on the west coast um, and they were pretty public about it. Um, it's, it's interesting, so you see the converting, co converters, right? Someone who's uh, producing uh, something and you, you know, they want to re, uh, uh, reintroduce some of the scrap uh, back into uh, you know, the manufacturing process. I've seen recycling there. Um, and I've seen it, you know, uh, sort of say the middleman, you know, someone who's actually making a business out of recycling and selling the recycled materials. And then now you see it also on the, on the waste hauler side that actually, well, why don't we vertically integrate this? This, this may, may also make sense. Um, what do you think is the biggest driver on those? Is it the, the waste management companies or more on the converting side or actually the, in the, the market in between? Right now, it's it's mainly the uh, the political landscape and how that is changing. Uh, the the extended producer responsibility uh, regulation that I was mentioning, mm -hmm. the brand commitments, which is a little bit scary at times. Like I said, in 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 these types of markets, you don't really see uh, you know some of the projects that we thought are gonna happen uh, pull through. So, um, and everyone is banking on the future. Mm -hmm. uh, when um, the company that you that you mentioned, uh, I I've, I've read about that too. Um, for us, it's it's particularly um, um, particularly interesting because they're going to draw uh, draw a lot of uh, raw material into their facility. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're the biggest uh, second biggest uh, uh, waste management uh, company in the U.S. So mm -hmm. uh, they have control over a lot of materials. It's going to flow in that direction. Mm -hmm. It's so Repu it was Republic. Republic, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they have a natural advantage on that mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. On the other side. You know what? What we do on the resin side, it's 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 not easy to do. A lot of companies have tried it, uh, also unsuccessfully. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's on a different piece of paper whether that's going to be successful. And then you have to really bank on the future, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I saw some of the calculations uh, that, that that they are putting behind their business plan, mm -hmm. and it's all uh, banking on uh, recycled materials selling at a premium over virgin. Mm -hmm. And in reality, this market shows you that. That's not the case at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 So that is a really big bet in the future. Yeah. So we love recycled uh, um, content mandates. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, again, California has forty percent in, in in plastic bags, mm -hmm. and even our Pennsylvania facility is producing material for uh, markets like California and Oregon and Washington. Mm -hmm. So, I was going to uh, ask you about this actually because I have I've done some work for you in the past, um, you know, on the West Coast, and I continue to do work there. And then I've done uh, work for you um, on the on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And uh, while it seems like the political landscape is much more in favor of plastic recycling on the West Coast, a lot of the companies actually doing this are on the uh, um, uh, on the East Coast. I mean, we found much. How, how is that? How how come that? Politically, California is more an environment that would be suitable for this kind of activity, yet on the East Coast you have much more tenured companies and more activity. 
Right. So I think, yeah, uh, the, the answer at the end of the day is, is, is uh, you know, to be found in the political landscape, right, on very um, social agenda in California, which is good for the uh, um, environmental laws. But on the other hand, a lot of manufacturing companies don't necessarily feel comfortable operating in this environment mm -hmm. when they have much more looser regulations when it comes to HR, when it comes to in general, permitting all these topics, um, mm -hmm. costs of doing business, uh, when they go to, you know, just cross the border to Nevada or Arizona. Mm -hmm. And and yet there is no um, law in place. Um, there's one actually in Quebec, they mm -hmm. have that regulation in Canada. Mm -hmm. They have a regulation at 70% of the material um, uh, must be recycled within the state. Mm -hmm. um, California doesn't have that. So mm -hmm. you can take it out of California, bring it back in, no problem and, and that's what a lot of companies are doing mm -hmm. but um, you know long transportation uh, ways um, during COVID um, the trucking rates got really expensive so at a certain point uh, it was really hard shipping to the to the west coast mm -hmm. um, especially when you're in a place like Pennsylvania and, but that switches from time to time right now it's actually um, feasible again. Also quite interesting yeah. that you want to do something good for the environment and then you truck this stuff back to the west coast yeah i mean right but okay no i get it, it makes yeah. complete sense that's uh the political landscape that we're all subject to right <laughs> yeah how <laughs> much you can do <laughs> yeah and, and and that's what we're trying to to, to keep in mind as, as as good as we can right mm -hmm. uh, again there's other competing technologies excuse me <clears throat> to what we're doing coming up um Mechanical recycling has the, the best environmental footprint uh, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. and uh, it is best suited when it's a hyper-local solution. So mm -hmm. you you draw the uh, um, material from the market that you're selling it to at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Can you speak a little bit? I have you know in in learning about this industry and and, and working with you and others, I have mm -hmm. there's this huge discussion about you know plastic waste. Um, uh, I mean, plastic waste is an issue, you know, but plastic recycling is not good and we should go more towards paper. So paper versus plastic. Um, can, you, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, uh, definitely um, very, very present for us as, as plastic recyclers. My, my answer to that is, um, you know, if you, if you look at uh, um, how much plastic is out there and how much paper we would need to replace it, mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't even have enough trees on the planet, uh, planet to uh, uh, fulfill that need. So mm -hmm. um, then you, you have to uh, topics like deforestation and, 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 and all of that. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you're opening another topic, mm -hmm. uh, right? Plus, uh, uh, um, plastic comes with uh, many benefits. It's very mm -hmm. good for food safety, etc. cetera, uh, prevents uh, spoilage better than uh, food spoilage, better than other, uh, any other material. So mm -hmm. there's lots of uh, benefits. It's, uh, it's, it's lightweight, you can lightweight it a lot. So mm -hmm. um, there's, there's many environmental benefits of, uh, of, of uh, recycling. One of the examples that's always discussed is the PET bottle as well. What is better, the glass bottle or the PET bottle? Yeah. If you uh, think about how many trucks you have to put on the street with a classical system in Germany, right? You go to yeah. the Getränkemarkt, the yeah, yeah. beverage market, and you get your box. Um, I mean, that, that truck uh, fills up uh, very quick with a lot of dead weight. Yeah. The PT bottle, on the other hand, it's compacted, it's bailed. Yeah. And then you can fit uh, uh, so many more bottles uh, um, yeah. on a truck and uh, reduce um, uh, yeah, um, your uh, number of transports by that. So yeah. um, you should always look at the whole supply chain. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
at the end of the day, uh, the people that do so, they will come to the conclusion that plastic has to become circular. Mm -hmm. um, plastic is a very good material, it's cheap to produce as well. Mm -hmm. You don't have to produce it from fossil fuel necessarily. Mm -hmm. So a lot of technologies developed where plastic is derived from food waste, mm -hmm. from carbon that we emit already. So it could actually eventually become a solution to uh, um, um, climate change. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it has to be circular. It cannot end up in the oceans or in our food uh, supply chain, etc. Mm -hmm. Can you speak also a little bit to? Uh, so for a while, there were a lot of plastics were sold to China, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Is that still going on? Like how how did, why why is stuff loaded on ships and sent to China? Can... Yeah, uh, you know, there's 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 a um, um, economical reason behind it. You know, um, um, the U.S. has a um, a negative trade balance with China, right? There's a lot of uh, containers coming from from China, but not a lot moving back. So, um, it was it was one way to um, uh, to clean up that balance a little bit, and uh, you were able to get very cheap uh, containers mm -hmm. um, going to China. They wanted the material. There's a lot of production in China, as we know. Uh, it's going everywhere in the world, um, and there was no local infrastructure in the U.S. developed. So, um, recycling in the U.S. Um, up up until you know, five years ago was um, uh, sorting at a sorting facility, bailing it up, and then loading the bale in a container and, and ship, shipping that to China. So that was the extent of recycling in the U.S. at the time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, China closed, closed the door in the U.S., uh, at, which triggered then the development of a domestic market. So over the last five years, uh, recyclers are popping up left and right. Mm -hmm. There are a few folks like EFS, uh, Martin Vogt, our owner, he founded it 17 years ago, so mm -hmm. we're quite... Uh, um, around the block for a bit, but uh, um, there's KW Plastics, uh, one of our main competitors, they've been doing it for, for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the majority is just uh, uh, really starting up, and uh, it was mainly because of China said no more. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there was uh, two events, one was called the Green Fence in 2013, that was the first, the first time they said, too much plastic pollution, we need to um, uh, control the specs here. and, 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 and make sure that only uh, clean materials move into China. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019, uh, they came around with a national sort, mm -hmm. and that's the policy that we're all under now. So um, the purity level needs to be 98, 99% plus in certain grades. Mm -hmm. No co-mingled plastic, no mm -hmm. co-mingled paper. Mm -hmm. and, that the Chinese will accept. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, it, but, it's, but, it, but it's still a topic. I, you yeah. know, there's ways around it. China has a lot of investments in Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, so a lot of times it's moving into these markets and it's finding its way in China. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> I would say the situation is much better today in terms of getting raw material as a, as a domestic uh, recycler, mm -hmm. but there's still still competition from... Uh, uh, That's that was absolutely baffling to me that there is actually recycling facilities here that, that really struggle um, and build quite extensive purchasing capabilities uh, to source uh, this material, which would clearly be quite abundant um, uh, in the U.S. based on how much trash uh, we actually uh, uh, produce. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's, uh, that's you know, uh, <clears throat> again, due to, uh, um, due, due to the trade balance, I think it's a political topic again. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's actually benefiting uh, um, the U.S. in that sense. And, and on the other hand, it's also you know that we're that we're stagnating around those those 30 to 35 percent, depending on the grade. Mm -hmm. uh, some actually some grades like the plastic film much lower. The last number that I saw was I believe nine 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 percent. 
-hmm. of, uh, of flexibles uh, uh, recycled right now. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of work to do mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of investment that needs to happen in, these, uh, in the collection assets, but also uh, in, in the sorting uh, facilities. So it's interesting, you said up until a few years ago, you know, the extent of American recycling was, was literally sorting, bailing and putting in a container, shipping into wherever. Um, com contrast that a little bit to Europe, like what are, as far as circular economy, what are some of the most successful efforts you see there? I think one of the the, uh, the most successful examples is, is the PET bottle in, in Germany. It's, it's, it's that example that everyone has in mind when they think about recycling. Mm -hmm. I believe we have recycling rate, uh, rates of 98% on the PET bottle. Mm -hmm. it, it, it became part of the culture to take your bottles to the grocery store, you put it in the machine, mm -hmm. you reclaim the coupon, you pay with it at the cashier. Mm -hmm. uh, and We also have the fund in Germany, right? Like yeah. On plus, yeah, so I mean, yeah. maybe to, to our listeners, are you going to explain it too? As I think it's 25 cents per bottle, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So that, that really hurts you yeah. uh, um, as well, you know, mm -hmm. versus in California, there is a, is a, is a deposit on the, on the bottle as well. Mm -hmm. It's 10 cent. I think it doesn't mm -hmm. affect the people too much, uh, yeah. um, you know. Not in LA. I, yeah, no, I have to <laughs> yeah. admit, uh, I, I tried it once and, and the way the system was set up. I said, that's taken too much time out of my day. I'm mm -hmm. still putting it in the blue recycling bin mm -hmm. so it gets recycled. But Tell, tell us uh, a little bit, how does it work? <laughs> like how's it, so, so, so there's, you buy, you buy uh, let's say, a, a six-pack of water and uh, so you pay 60 cents more because there are six bottle, plastic bottles in it, right? right? So yeah. if you want to return it, how does it work in California? I, I think, I mean, for me, yeah. I've, I've just been to California. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And uh, I think most people in the U.S. don't know, um, so it'd be very interesting. So I, I think I should say they're reworking the system right now because okay. they, 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 don't, they know that it's not really working. Okay. Um, but um, there was this concept of a convenience zone. So let's say there's a, you know, 20 uh, retailers in one area. Okay. And then there's, there's a certain mileage, mm -hmm. uh, um, a, a certain mileage from, from those retailers. There has to be a collection station. Okay. So usually it was a little shed somewhere. Yeah. On a, on a, sh a shopping plaza, there was a guy sitting in there mm -hmm. that was then manually putting every bottle in there. And one of the reasons is um, they have to confirm also that the bottle was actually from California. So there was a lot ah. of dep deposit fraud where people drove in materials from Arizona. Deposit on the bottle uh, yeah. um, was applied. And mm -hmm. yeah, so somebody has to verify it's a California bottle and that just makes the um, system incredibly uh, difficult. Yeah. Um, again, in, in Oregon, I think even the, the, the German system could learn something from that, from mm -hmm. a convenience perspective. Yeah. Because there you have a system, you unlock it with a uh, with a little key, and you can drop a whole bag of, of bottles in there, um, or with your individual barcode on there, and then it reads it automatically, and it gives you know basically it gives you your d deposit on, on some kind of app. Okay. So there are good systems in place. California is not the prime example. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But we got to start yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so right. you were saying the PT battle in Germany, where that's that's how we got there. Yeah. Um, tell <laughs> us what, what's the what's the successful. Uh, um, uh, so that that's that's being recycled. You said ninety eight percent. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. I think that's um, again because of the high recycling rates, because of uh, um, uh, just it being part of the culture. That's one of the the, the prime examples. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of, of how it can be done. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I've heard of some efforts um, in Germany too, where stuff got recycled. Um, you know, plastic waste got uh, recycled, then got 
uh, you know, melted down into pallets, and we'll talk about the whole process here in just a minute, and then turned into like plastic garden furniture and, and, and got resold. So literally from waste to, you know, back to point of purchase, mm -hmm. um, which uh, quite quite remarkable how that is possible, yeah. Right, and I think um, now that you touched on that, and, and the, the success in Germany is also that uh, we're able to go bottle bottle to bottle, right? Yeah. There, there are <clears throat> examples, and I shouldn't uh, disregard that because Coca-Cola also has a bottle made uh, out of 100% uh, uh, RPET. Mm -hmm. uh, you see it uh, when you have it in hand, it's a little bit mm -hmm. more yellow than, than, your, than your, your virgin plastic bottle. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, in, in, in Europe we're doing that, in, in Germany in particular, we're doing that for, for quite a while to um, work in extensive uh, amounts of recycled content into the bottle mm -hmm. and, and be in really closed loop bottle to bottle, not only, um, you know, uh, going in, in, into, to, you know, lower value applications. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and when I say that, I mean, uh, it, it, was, it was a bottle once and then it turned in, in, into some kind of, uh, um, for example, PT can go into fabric. That would one mm -hmm. possibility uh, to uh, make a polyester shirt out of a bottle. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So, like the EFS facility, for example, in, in, in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, like kind of tell us from you know door in to door out. What, what what's that? What happens in that facility? Yeah. So <clears throat> we um, usually receive full truckloads of of baled material. So. Yeah. Um, you know how, how to how to describe that when the plastics are, are collected uh, um, there, there's a baling machine that uh, produces uh, a right tangled uh, um, mm -hmm. compacted uh, um, cubes of material cubes is a good yeah, one yeah, yeah cubes a, is a good one yeah um, so you, you stack those cubes on the truck and uh, you get a full truckload of 20 tons and and those would yeah. be like it could be like your l'oreal shampoo bottle or your uh, your gallon milk crate, right? Or like a Valvoline oil, the quart oil, right? Is that yeah. the, like those, those plastics containers? All, all of the above. It really depends on the, the local recycling system. Yeah. The different, there's different grades of these bales, right? Usually you have a pure uh, PET bale, for example, PET bottle bale, mm -hmm. which is different from your PET thermoform food containers already. Mm -hmm. They would go on another one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then within those different grades, it's, you know, we stick with the bottles, then you have an ABC grade. So mm -hmm. the A, A grade is, for example, that good material from a deposit system. And then the C grade is that one that comes from a more dirty sorting line mm -hmm. that maybe was commingled with food waste or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and so it goes from other rigids. You mentioned some of the kinds that we're processing, mm -hmm. the polyolefins or the uh, polyethylene bottles, the polypropylene cups, lids, tubs. Mm -hmm. um, so that's your again, yogurt cups, your L'Oreal shampoo, etc. Mm -hmm. And then you have your flexibles, mm -hmm. films, um, pouches. Mm -hmm. So that's one market that is, that is growing, uh, the food pouch market. Again, because it's very lightweight, you can get a good shelf life uh, um, for certain products, mm -hmm. and you reduce a lot of, uh, um, 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 you know, uh, um, packaging uh, mm -hmm. if 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 you lightweight it, if you have a compact pouch mm -hmm. versus a, a big rigid container or box. So, mm -hmm. there there are your benefits of plastics again. When unfortunately, a lot of times it's not straightforward and. Um, you know, your food pouch, for example, is just done out of poly polyethylene. Mm -hmm. There's barriers like nylon, yep. PVOH to protect, and that makes it difficult. So you know you got to have some kind of separation process in the manufacturing, probably. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that would be the next step after receiving. Right. We mm -hmm. receive it. Mm -hmm. We break the bales open again. Mm -hmm. We sort them into different kinds, um, and and from there it's washed. It's um, 
um, it's dried and then it's uh, and it's extruded in a, uh, in a in a pellet. What we see here in the picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see there are different yeah. colors. So you have the ability to uh, produce the pellet in different colors. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, we mainly do it on our on our rigid grades, so our poly uh, poly um, ethylene high density polyethylene, mm -hmm. um, which would be your classical shampoo bottle or your milk jug. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so yeah. Um, um, depending on what brand you run, I think X is, uh, is pretty similar. Uh, is F, sorry, um, uh, pretty easy to do because it's a black. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a tight orange or so would be a little bit harder to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the polypropylene side, we do color as well. Um, polypropylene, we do work with a lot of lawn and garden. So okay. you know, yeah. you would you would find it in, in for example, a, a can, a watering can or something. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or, or buckets, crates, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, shopping baskets. And what's uh, on the, so you have this, what, what will be the negatives on, on a recycled pellet, like compared to, you know, a pellet that is made by a customer? So custom compounders would be people that, you know, uh, create a, also a pellet in the end, right? But sometimes a specially formalized pellet for some manufacturing process, right? Like, so uh, someone wants to injection mold a, uh, a trim piece for uh, BMW or, or whatever it may be and it has to have some kind of property then that would probably come from a compound, uh, custom compounder rather than uh, you know a recycler. Mm -hmm. um, what will be the negative of a uh, of a recycled pellet? Like what, what can it what what can it do? What can't it do? What 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 applications do you see it go into? Those were a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. I think I should say you have it on there too. Re yeah. Leading recycler and compounder. So we do uh, uh, some some compounding on our rigid products, in particular the polypropylene. So mm -hmm. we do a, uh, a class, a talc filter to, to to make it stronger. Mm -hmm. uh, the products. So there are uh, certain certain um, processes where we can influence the the properties of the plastic mm -hmm. uh, to fit a certain application, um, and we also do compound uh, on, not on a regular basis, but uh, on a, on a trial basis. We did uh, virgin um, uh, virgin PCR compounds. That's a popular product. Uh, uh, it's gaining more traction in the market. So that's something that we're considering as well. But mm -hmm. the issue um, with recycled plastic, to get to the core of your question, is. Um, it's it's never 100% clear, right? It's mm -hmm. never like I said uh, um, with the food pouch, pouch example. Sometimes there's certain barriers in there, so it's never 100% polyethylene. There might be some polypropylene mixed in. There might be some barrier mixed in there that could create some uh, uh, some, some fish eyes. Some uh, um, you know, especially when you uh, in film recycling when you deal with flexibles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you blow, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you blow a big bubble, mm -hmm. uh, um, um, in, you know, in, in order to create that, uh, that, that film, that back or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you, if you uh, yeah, extrude it in, in those, those, thin, um, in those film, uh, uh, th th thin film sheets, then sometimes uh, a little a bit of contamination can burst the bubble already. Okay. So you have production downtime, uh, okay. et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, it it could be uh, other specs making it through, uh, like uh, like wood parts or um, certain metals that were not caught in the process. I mean, there's a lot of steps to clean it up, but it's just like uh, um, it's it's not virgin. It's been through different uh, heat cycles, so sure. there is a certain amount of degradation. So it just, just reacts differently. So from right. from what I'm hearing, it's pretty much procuring enough bales um, 
and then also having them clean enough to go or, or getting them clean enough to, to run them. Those are really the two main challenges within recycling. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and then color for certain applications, right? <laughs> It's hard to match uh, certain colors. So we, we uh, uh, I used the example earlier of, of a tight orange. We have mm -hmm. one, one competitor that, uh, that, that produces that and then uh, has a very extense, extensive uh, um, yeah, process around it. Um, um, it, it th so that, that those kind of things are very, very hard to do, to be consistent from batch to batch on color. Mm -hmm. And then if you go into flexible films where a lot of uh, um, uh, um, customers want clarity mm -hmm. and you have just a little bit of colored film uh, mixed in, then mm -hmm. you see already the shades, uh, um, you know, little tints, uh, little shades in the product that, uh, um, yeah, might uh, um, disqualify your product for, for, for certain customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you have in your, uh, you're working again, you mentioned EFS uh, being a Canadian-German uh, uh, company, mm -hmm. um, being part of a larger group, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. um, And uh, before you had some experience, you know, working uh, with a European company, you know, um, doing an FDI project, really, like setting up in the US. What's mm -hmm. been your experience with that? I mean, it's, uh, you know, as a German uh, coming, coming to the US, what, what were some of the main challenges that you've experienced? Yeah, there were, there were quite a lot, you know. Uh, um, first of all, I think it's, um, um, I think sometimes we feel like, uh, um, You come over to the yes market, you have a solution, you should be welcomed with open arms. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, um, that first-hand experience of saying, hey, we're here, we're providing a solution, especially, mm -hmm. you know, when uh, plastic recycling was just uh, uh, um, really coming up domestically, we were one of the first ones and say, hey, you now have a local outlet here. Mm -hmm. Instead of uh, uh, some of the folks saying, hey, that's great, uh, we want to work with you. Uh, it, there, there was a level of cautious and there was always this okay many guys from Europe have tried it before what tells me that you guys are for real mm. and uh, um, that was uh, definitely uh, much different than I expected it mm -hmm. and uh, um, yeah just uh, trying to navigate that and trying to tell the people uh, we're here to stay we have a solution we're mm -hmm. able to pay our bills mm -hmm. that was um, that was ex extremely hard in the beginning and then once you kick everything off um, You realize how difficult the, the manufacturing landscape is here mm. in the U.S. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, dealing with labor, um, different standards when it comes to maintaining equipment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that is uh, um, that is definitely the biggest challenge. Yeah, I mean, blue color is, I think, a challenge for all of our clients, mm. for everybody in the manufacturing industry. I know that was something where um, you know you always struggled and probably continue to. Uh, you know, always work on improving, <laughs> having the right people on the team, uh, uh, so to say, uh, for sure, I can, I can imagine. Right. What, what kind of cultural differences do you, um, uh, uh, do you see got in the way? Um, were there, um, were there self-made or homemade problems that, that, that you ran into where you feel like we could have prepared ourselves to do things better or? Yeah, I think absolutely there's, there's always, uh, um, you know, a certain amount of uh, homemade problems. I think it's it has a lot to do with the culture at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? We were used to, to operate a certain way and uh, um, had a, you know, had a long history, long long um, European um, company culture. And, and then here, uh, a lot of people don't like to be told what uh, uh, they should do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And especially not when you're, um, 
uh, when, when you accompany from abroad or say we do this in Germany a certain mm -hmm. way or we do this in uh, I don't know in yeah. Spain a certain way um, they you almost have to prove to them mm -hmm. that you're invested in them and in the in the community we mm -hmm. we always got requests you know why when are we doing a family uh, um, uh, gathering in the park or so mm -hmm. this you know, is from the employees now from the yeah. employees yeah. Yeah. yeah so there was always this uh, you you give first and then uh, yeah. Then we give, mm. <clears throat> and it was it was just uh, I don't want to say that we're more used to following orders, but uh, um, it's just a, a, a definitely a, a different different mentality mm -hmm. on how to do work here and how mm -hmm. to motivate people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would I would say, I think yeah. a big one is um, is time. You know, once mm. you've been around for a time and you've employed people, and then uh, you know, I think we have so many. Germany, we have these communities, right, where mm. um, you know uh, sometimes several generations of people out of one household have worked for this company, and often is uh, this employer is also like the regional employer, right? Mm. Like so, there's not that many other choices. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you have that situation. Whereas if you try to do something in Southern California, I mean, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, there is. I think California is the size of Germany's economy, approximately. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, there's a lot of options, um, you know, and there's no social contract, you know, between uh, a family um, or or employees and and that employer. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. That 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 loyalty to work is uh, uh, or to your employer is 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 definitely different, and it's. Uh, it's it's not uncommon, right, for mm -hmm. someone to stay two to three years and then move on mm -hmm. to build a resume. So um, the the culture uh, um, that that I was used to um, coming out of that uh, German company was, we build up our own managers. So mm -hmm. you have a career path. You know, as long as you do good here, mm -hmm. you have the chance uh, uh, to make it up. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, in 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 the U.S. a lot of times um, the um, perception is that if you want to move up, you have to jump companies or you have mm -hmm. to at least jump roles. So mm -hmm. uh, retaining uh, people for a longer time was challenging, even mm -hmm. though we're doing good to them and they were doing good to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, in Germany, we also have the saying, Lehre Jahre sind keine Herren Jahre, which approximates, uh, you know, if, uh, um, uh, well, I cannot translate this. <laughs> I'm not, gonna, I'm not mm -hmm. going to try to, but uh, the German listeners will know what I mean. Uh, you know, we have that as well, but there is, I think, more of a social contract still existent. And although that's changing rapidly, I think it's very much changing rapidly. And um, in fact, I know many of my clients that are in Germany is they're recruiting from anywhere in Europe. You know, if you find the qualified people, um, they're not just all in Germany anymore. You know, so yeah, interesting. Um, uh, culturally, do you think um, that we? Uh, um, that we're particularly stubborn as Germans, and that we <laughs> are set in our own ways, or um, how an uh, in, in approach. My experience has been, uh, I've seen this a few times now, you know, people coming into the U.S. Uh, trying to set something up, um, that um, there is this, um, uh, they quickly learn most, uh, most of the time. It's not always the case, um, but there's been some cases. It's okay, we, we know what we're doing, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to come set up right now, and um, everybody get in line, you know, with the newest things and sliced bread, so to say, you know, everybody kind of expecting that the people waited for us to arrive. Um, and uh, and then quickly find out that that's not the case. <laughs> right. um, is this is an experience you've made also, or? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I did make that experience, unfortunately. And I think that's, 
that's that's the the recipe for for failure at the end of the uh, day, right? Um, <clears throat> many examples, like um, also uh, the existing uh, um, um, positions that are, that I'm in at, at EFS. I mean, if I I listen to 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 Martin when he came over here uh, uh, 17 years ago to start this company in, in Canada, which is culturally totally different again from the U.S. Yeah. Um, he had a, a you know a couple of years uh, to really learn and figure things out and mm -hmm. um, usually um, from what I hear uh, talking to other German companies as well it's not done in a year two or three years mm -hmm. usually it takes five years mm -hmm. and longer mm -hmm. to really have a, a um, you know a sustainable business model here you got to go through different adaptations and mm -hmm. really um, yeah uh, be aware of the local markets as well I mm -hmm. think one um, mistake that we make or one easy judgment that we make is that the Americans are all the same mm -hmm. because we have a certain um, um, expectation certain picture in our head yeah but it's greatly regionalized mm -hmm. within uh, those 340 million uh, that we are I think now like in the that, US, yeah. mm -hmm. um, there's so many different subgroups so so many different beliefs absolutely you gotta know which market you're going mm -hmm. into so for us uh, in my old uh, gig it was a huge difference between South Carolina and California. Mm -hmm. California, we had to deal already with the early waves of the whole Vogue, um, how are you, mm -hmm. you know, good and social workplace and yeah. all those type of things. Yeah. And in, in South Carolina, it was uh, really old school back in the days, mm -hmm. um, you know, show show um, uh, your, your presence, engage in the, in the community and let us do our thing. We're South Carolina, mm -hmm. we don't need any uh, um, saying from uh, this is how it's done in Europe or mm -hmm. this is how we do it in California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, you know, we tell yeah. you how it's done in South Carolina. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it was two totally different worlds. So, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. And then you also, on top of that, you have, uh, um, I mean, this really is a melting pot in the US, right? Mm -hmm. So, you have a lot of people out of Latin America. Right. Um, and uh, so, you have the regional differences. Then you have uh, people from Latin America playing a role on the production floor. Um, and um, so it, it becomes this hodgepodge of people that you really got to be prepared to manage. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I've seen many, many successful, I have many clients right now where this is, is successfully happening, mm -hmm. but the leaders in these companies are like fine-tuned into that geography, into uh, their employees, you know, work very closely with HR, um, uh, you know, to uh, to see where things need to change, who's actually leading the group, who's driving opinions, and, and those kind of things. Yeah. Mm. So where I think we are a little bit more uh, uniform there in Germany. Also because of our apprenticeship systems, mm. probably, in Germany. Like, we're here, a lot of people arriving in production facilities that, um, uh, you know, may not have had an experience, or, or, or Quereinsteiger, we would say, in Germany, right, or mm -hmm. don't have any formal experience in a certain, uh, certain area. Yeah, and on top of that, the most trainee programs uh, in the companies are very rudimentary, right? I've, I've yet to see in, in my industry a company that has a really set training plan uh, mm -hmm. uh, for, for new employees. So it's really, you know, uh, uh, jump in the water and try to swim, yeah. uh, swim to survive. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, but one point that I wanted to touch on uh, um, in terms of a mistake that I've always hear now, um, you know, hearing again that other German companies are trying to expand to the U.S., also in my industry. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I have the feeling that German companies think they can do it alone or in-house, also the research part, or, 
we're getting a trainer in that, you know, it's going to train us a little bit about the U.S. and the cultural differences and all that. While that is good, I think um, this is one point where you should really accept the help of some experts. Engage the consultants, and they're not cheap. They cost a lot of money mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So um, while I was tra- transitioning jobs, I had an opportunity to, to wor- work on such a project. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, and person came back to me again, sharpen your pencil, sharpen your pencil to the point where I said, that's really not worth it for me. Mm-hmm. I should probably go back into employment at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, um, it costs money here. I mean, mm-hmm. the cost of living is higher, right? That's, that's, that's a shock for a lot of employers anyways when yeah. they see uh, um, uh, how much the salaries are here. But mm-hmm. the cost of, uh, cost of living is, uh, is different. And uh, um, also consulting rates, etc. But it's really worth. It's money well spent if you have somebody doing a site search for you. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody, you know, if you work with somebody for yourself, for example, mm-hmm. uh, to to set up a good core team to start with, mm-hmm. uh, um, would try to go out on a deed, uh, uh, which was, uh, you know, cost a lot of uh, turnover in the first year till mm-hmm. we realized we need a little bit more expertise <laughs> in this area. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and in many other other things as well uh, when it comes to market research. There's a lot of companies out there that offer these services, and that can really get you a head start if you yeah. utilize them. Yeah, absolutely. I, t- I completely agree. <coughs> also, I, I really believe that it is very helpful to have um, some kind of American presence in your leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, cultural training and all this stuff is fantastic. That's great, right? But you mm-hmm. can't have this check, now we can go mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen companies where they invite an intercultural coach to Germany or they use an intercultural coach that's actually in Germany and does it for the U.S., which I find the whole concept odd. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this will be like a recruiter working in Germany uh, for the U.S. market. I, I don't recruit in Germany because um, mm-hmm. I don't live in Germany right now. You know, I'm from Germany. I understand Germany, but I don't have local market knowledge right now. Right. Um, you know, I recruit for European companies in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so therefore, I think it's really important to have. Um, either bring an advisor on full-time or actually make your first CEO an American um, or hire someone who spent has done, has gone through the assimilation like um, you have gone through mm-hmm. um, you know you've paid your dues um, you know where you live here now you see the regional differences uh, you know you, you know what South Carolina is versus uh, even just North Carolina there's differences there mm, absolutely um, and uh, <laughs> And then, uh, um, I don't want to overplay this whole thing, but I think it plays a really big role in, um, uh, on top of the regular execution strategy, such as site selection and uh, you know, finding the proper incentives somewhere, and you know, obviously finding, finding employees and such. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there, 100%. Yeah, yeah and, and personally, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I made this experience, right? Mm-hmm. It, it helped me a lot uh, understanding everything, but for the business mm-hmm. it probably would have been better mm-hmm. um you know to have uh, somebody aside uh, from the beginning on that understands that market mm-hmm. and uh you know we it, it took us quite a while to 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 came across people that can really help us mm-hmm. um so that is definitely something that you should consider i, I like your advisor idea uh, as well because many companies like to have a a, a german ceo and for or European CEO sure. for, for, for good reason, yep. because they understand the culture. Yep. But then try to get that advisor in uh, and work with you at least half a year, a year, maybe even out of Germany. You go on US tours together um, to really, really learn the ins and outs. That saves you a lot of time. That's the thing. You don't want to uh, um, 
have to exchange a German CEO that finds out after three or five years this isn't for me, um, you know, I just kind of, um, um, uh, yeah, just make s uh, small incremental steps, but but uh, you want to make sure that that investment takes off right off the get-go, for sure, yeah. yeah. Excellent, very good, this has been super interesting. Tell us about EFS one more time, so you have currently, um, you said 170 employees, right? Is that right. correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, uh, manufacturing locations in, uh, you said it was in... Pen Pennsylvania? Yeah. And in Alberta, Canada, so yeah. that's also our access to the U.S. West Coast. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and uh, our headquarters in Listowel, Ontario. Okay, yeah. Yeah, very good. And then, so your uh, major customers would be like, how, who are some of the, you don't have to name them by name, but like, what do mm -hmm. I find your products in <clears throat> your resin uh, later on in shampoo bottles, or do I find it more in uh, like milk crates? Like, where does this, where does this go? Yeah, I would say increasingly more, excuse me, <clears throat> increasingly more in packaging applications. Okay. So, you know, there were those classic markets that uh, took uh, recycled resins early on. Mm -hmm. There would be, uh, for example, pipes, any kind of pipe or, um, you know, tanks, uh, those more forgiven applications. Mm -hmm. So um, PCR didn't do a, a damage to any of these products, but mm -hmm. now we're, we continue investing because every legislation that is released, again, usually they have a language around the product has to go into similar or same applications. So okay. We need to clean it up in a way that... Uh, it can go back into packaging applications. So EFS is actually investing 17 million over the next uh, um, two years um, into yeah, um, overhauling the, the whole line, building uh, new components to the line um, to meet those packaging demands. And then you will see us, you see us already in certain applications, but then even more, mm -hmm. you'll see us on the shelf uh, shelves of your grocery store. Okay, interesting. Um, so right now it would be more like like irrigation pipes, for example, right? Right, yeah. 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 Irrigation okay. piping, uh -huh. um, and conduit okay. uh, pipes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Home Depot. Um, Home Depot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, uh, I see, yeah. okay. Yeah. Shopping okay. baskets we do too for, for some, some retailers. Uh -huh. So, there's a project going on right now with a mm -hmm. national retailer yeah. where uh, we're going to do their rigid plastic uh, um, sh shopping basket. Okay. Um, those are very good, uh, good applications, right? Injection molding or blow molding. Yeah. Depending on, uh, um, yeah, depending on the on, on the application, but uh, fairly easy to do with high um, recycled content. That's why, mm -hmm. with all this discussion that's going on, mm -hmm. I think uh, um, those applications should never be disregarded, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone said, "Oh, this is downcycling." At the end of the day, if it doesn't go into the, these applications, mm -hmm. you know, um, downcycling as in because it goes into a lesser product. Downcycling in the sense of um, going from an application um, that was once a bottle mm -hmm. to something that is then, um, you know, going into the ground for 30 years. So okay. it's just uh, not as visible, is not as uh, um, high in value. So um, uh, there's also this discussion, what is closed loop and what is waste integration? So mm -hmm. closed loop should be... Uh, um, I have a bottle and I bring it back into the bottle. So I have it's a piece like of for like. Like yeah. for like, okay. exactly. Yeah. And if I bring, uh, 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 you know, then a shampoo bottle instead of a pipe, mm -hmm. then it's maybe waste integration because you're preventing that material going, uh, going into a landfill, but it's not necessary a closed loop. And there's arguments that say that statement is not true. Yeah. But at the end of the day, sometimes those lower end applications, I name it like that, they're disregarded. But at the end, 
lots and high amounts of recycled content can go in those mm. to those pipes you know mm. some of the baskets we do we, we put 90% in there so we do a composter a blow molding composter sure, yeah. out of HDPE 90% yeah. HDPE goes in there mm -hmm. um, no fancy colors just straight gray sure and then you, know, you have it on a, on a large uh, um, uh, um, um, a retailer at the end uh, and, and you sell it there it's a, it's a, it's a great product mm. um, And at the end of the day, if you would use the same material to go, for example, into a shampoo bottle, mm. maybe the converter would opt only to put 20% in there because the color doesn't match 100% mm -hmm. or they have concerns that, um, you know, mm -hmm. of production scrap increasing, etc. the screen's clocking up, so. Mm. I mean, who uh, cares if it goes into a garden furniture or, or whatever it is, as long as it's not a virgin material uh, that's being used, uh, but you use recycled uh, material, um, it's less plastic, right, um, and, and, and more. Uh, uh, more recycling, or um. right? Yeah, but uh, it, yeah, it's it's again, it's a little bit of the political agenda, maybe, yeah. and not um, kind of grasping the industry as a whole and, and the processes. I mean, there's lots of consultants involved, right? Sure. There's, there's lots of, of money, lots of investments going in there, so uh, lots of opinions left and right. Uh, um, so that it's important educational piece, and that's usually when we're. Um, Uh, when we're asked to participate in, in rounds and, and give our opinions about the markets, mm -hmm. those are things that we always voice. You know? yeah. It's great um, to bring a, a yogurt cup back into a yogurt cup, but it needs to meet food standards and mm -hmm. so on. Yeah, you need to invest in extra soda so um, you know, your greenhouse gas emissions actually go up, your environmental fit, footprint increases, because mm -hmm. you need to add extra technologies in order to sort that out. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying you know one way is better than the other, but um, you should always look at the whole system and see what's the best solution at the end of the day for, for the environment. This was super informative, Henrik. Uh, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Um, so um, at the end, we we'll always you know, give you the opportunity to, uh, you know, if there's any open job openings, for example, you have at EFS, uh, you know, where, where could people find those? Like what would be the best way to learn more about EFS? Yeah, so on our website, uh, www.efs-plastics.ca mm -hmm. for Canada, yeah. um, you can find openings, but you can also follow us on, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So we have a LinkedIn page. There's also updates um, uh, regularly on what we're doing, what shows we're uh, attending, and yeah, those are the best ways to reach out. If you reach out on LinkedIn, you're actually going to catch me uh, directly. Awesome, that's <laughs> great. And that's Henrik Dollinger with two L's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can find him there. So thank you so much. Wish you a, a great and successful trip to Savannah. Enjoy the Georgia coast. Thank you, Matthias. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Mm -hmm.